Miss Media discusses different aspects of sexual violence that may be triggering for some listeners. Please make sure to always practice proper self-care when listening. Hey, this is Griff. And this is Nora. And we are Miss Media, a Purple Door podcast that analyzes and discusses rape culture within pop culture. Join us every Friday for new episodes. Welcome back, everyone, to Miss Media. Today, we are joined once again by Miss Ana Sanchez-Brown. Hi, Ana. Hello. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us Thank again. Thank you so yeah. much for having me, guys. Yeah. A party. You poor, unfortunate soul have to deal with us again. <laughs> oh, yes. yes. Mm-hmm. And today, we are talking about women as villains. <laughs> it's going to be very good, you guys. Very yeah, good. I'm excited. So what do we got? Uh, so we have a lot of Disney villains, of course. I'm going to represent those women. Um, I, I love Disney, as you guys know. Yes. Um, but we have some big players like the Evil Queen, Mother Gossel, uh, Lady Tremaine, and the stepsisters from Cinderella, mm-hmm. um, who, and Maleficent, of course, who are all fantastic villains. Yeah, um, I classic. Love- Yes, those theatrical, they bring everything like from their costumes to their um, attitudes and whatnot. Um, And as I get older in life, I have realized that I relate a little bit more to the villains than to um, what's going on with the princesses. I never really related to the princesses. I was kind of related to the heroes, but like... I kind of like the villains more and more as I watch these movies. Like the Sanderson sisters, they're oh, fun. Yeah. And like, I think they kind of get a bad rap. And what makes us like villains as we get older, especially as women? Yeah, I think that that's, uh, that's a really good question. Um, I, I would say just thinking about like media in general, you know, when, when did we start creating, you know, these, these villainous women characters, right? Um, I would say early on, like early TV, like early soap operas, right? Like, you could even say mythology. Oh, and mythology was like the start, you know? And I mean, what about Christianity, right? It's, it's all, you know, the whole story of Adam and Eve, it's all sort of um, villainizes Eve, right? the woman mm-hmm. because she ends up taking the apple she wants more she's curious she wants the in- she wants yeah. intelligence she wants to know things and she is punished for it mm-hmm. and a lot of things um you know a lot of uh, misogyny can can stem from those sort of beliefs right oh yeah yeah absolutely and i'm gonna be talking about like soap operas uh, Currently at this moment, I just don't have time to watch them, um, and the budget—it's not. I just, I just not interested anymore. Just like you, Griff. Like as I get older, I feel like soap operas just basically role model a lot of the traditional roles that I honestly don't believe on. Um, so, but I do want to talk about how is it that in the 1930s, like the soap operas, really determined the way that we saw villains, right? Mm-hmm. So the way that, you know, when we think about soap operas, and I'm going to be talking about Mexican culture and also here in the United States, we think of, like, what was the audience? The audience was probably middle-class uh, female. More likely, it was a Caucasian female that People was able home, to... right? Right, right, that yeah. would stay home, taking care of the home, watching the kids, or just making the house, right? Vacuuming and then, in pearls and heel, heels, Absolutely. Right? Yeah. I mean, they can pull all that. Like, that, that's just... <laughs> (laughs) great i can't do that um but you know 
when I think about soap operas growing up in, in Mexico, I, I still remember like having literally schedules like Monday through Friday from 6 to 10 p.m. or 9 p.m. where like all the cousins, grandma and like my aunts, um, like everyone, like it would be like a family event that you gather around the couch and God forbid you made any noise mm -hmm. when we're watching the soap operas because you better be dying in order for <laughs> us to like keep our minds and just, you know, in entertainment away from us from that time. So growing up, I always like saw the villain according to the uh, mm. telenovela or soap opera as someone that was intelligent, powerful, that wanted more and that was curious um, and was wanting to get out from that box and wanted to have a different socioeconomic, uh, you know, level. And so a lot of the things that would happen within this story would be that the villain then would steal the, the best friend's boyfriend, right? Or mm -hmm. would be uh, the, uh, the... He would go totally unwillingly. Like, he was forced, right? Right, right. Like, he was forced to do this. Like <laughs> Interesting, yeah. Absolutely. The, when you know, we, that yeah. phrase, he like... had no choice. Stealing. I, yes. I, I, obviously no free will in this. Yeah. Absolutely. That, no consent throughout all of it right i've never really thought about the that phrase stealing stealing her man i haven't really thought about it too much but it definitely implies that the man has nothing to do with it right like but he like, was just like poor thing yeah you know like he didn't have a choice he just he was forced to do yeah. it like he could not control himself he couldn't you know so <laughs> But that's a different story for, for a different date regarding <laughs> that. But, you know, just seeing that. And I think that you mentioned about villains, right? The One of the things that attracted me to a villain was uh, that I felt like I was the underdog, right? And yeah. they provided a specific things um, that I felt like a connection with those villains. And mm -hmm. one of the things that I was looking at regarding uh, doing this podcast was what are the characteristics of villains, right? Right. So there's five things that I found. One of them is that they have to be powerful. Two, they have to be intelligent. Three, they have to be immoral, which we actually spoke about this uh, last time when we talk about La Llorona, yeah. that she keeps coming back and uh, infiltrating this uh, pain of drowning um, other children, right? Yeah. So we talk yeah. about that story and how is it that she is never satisfied, right? So right. she keeps coming back life after life, right? Uh, she that can't get no satisfaction <laughs> absolutely that that, that is excellent that was a uh, griff song break. yes yes griff. <laughs> classic griff song break mm -hmm. the other thing is uh number four is that they're wounded so something has happened to them um that it makes them be this villain like they're they're very upset and now they're taking justice in their hand and so therefore they become this villain and number five is that they're determined like they have a goal in mind which i if I think about those specific five characteristics, I'm like, mm. okay, maybe two of them may not be <laughs> what I want to do, right? But I feel like I have some power. I feel like I'm intelligent. Sometimes I question that. Um, oh, you should never then, question that. No. Uh, well, the reason why I question it is, well, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> the other one is determined, right? Like, yeah. I, I just, uh, you know, being immoral, I mean, or wounded. But, right. you know, just it really kind of got my attention of like these are very specific things but also when we think about males being villains like what do we look at when we see the image of a male being that that um 
strong person, that intelligent person, right? right? So when we look at females being uh, villains, we kind of look at similar characteristics that maybe the male villains may have. Yeah, for right. sure. So I, I think that I want to talk a little bit more about that as well yeah. uh, regarding how is it that women are seen as, as villains. Right. And and listening to you read off that list, so le- like talking about being powerful, that is generally something that we like – power is like a trait that we attribute to masculinity right and it's something that men are supposed to be you know praised for is being powerful and intelligence like uh, once again that's another one of those like masculine traits that that people attribute to masculinity um all like all of those things on that list determination all those things sound like pretty good things yeah. and you know we also have immoral on that list who defines immorality mm. what is the definition of immoral when we're talking about these uh women as villains usually the fact that they're immoral is displayed with their sexuality. Yeah. So often we have these uh, women villains who are incredibly sexualized, incredibly, you know, confident in their sexuality. um, And they often weaponize their sexuality as well. Like that's part of it. And I think that it's, it's very interesting that one of the easiest ways we can establish in a story that a woman is a villain is by making her incredibly confident about her sexuality Mm, and i think that that that's like that falls into that um category of immorality even though you know who says that's immoral why do we believe that someone you know being proud of their of the way they look and and all that kind of stuff why is that automatically immoral for our society yeah like you could say with the disney villains too like a lot of them a lot of the women have you know, more makeup on. That's like a really strong tell. They have thicker eyeliner. They yeah. have like uh, redder lips. Um, things that um, people might not have if they're the princess. They have more um, neutral tones. Like natural and, looking yeah. features. Very naturally pretty yeah. versus like the old woman witch who yeah. has like yeah her makeup all done up and is Earl- obsessed with beauty yes yeah. yeah like willing to kill a 14 year old little girl because of her beauty yes you have this sorceress who's the most powerful sorceress in snow white which i just rewatched recently because i love disney plus and that's <laughs> what i do to blow up steam and so i watched it and i was like she's so powerful and she wants to kill a fourteen-year-old girl, like because she wants to be the prettiest. Because she's too pretty. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, if this was like real life, we all know that she'd be like, no, nah, I just want to run the world. Right. Like, like can, <laughs> can you imagine? I personally have never just like looked at a fourteen-year-old mm-hmm. girl child and been like, I wish I was as beautiful as her. That yeah. is weird. <clears throat> That is weird, and it's a it's a very uncomfortable you know thing. That's like it, we look back at all these like older movies um, with a different lens, obviously than yeah. there was whenever they were creating it. And I think that that's one of like the coolest things about growth and change is that we're able to look back on those movies and go, um, you know, yeah, that we probably aren't okay with that anymore. Yeah, and the traits <laughs> like you know, I have nothing in common with the princess traits, but I do have stuff in common with the villain traits like 
I don't want to be a homemaker. I don't, I want to go out and like be driven and accomplish goals and, um, you know, be happy with myself and don't need a relationship yeah. to be happy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I think those are positive traits for young girls to look at and not right. so much that they need to depend on, um, a relationship to make them happy well and i also like you guys brought a lot of really good points you know one other thing is when we think of power within in society and in women we think of being young and beautiful oh, as that yeah. is powerful right like we see that in social media all the time like we see that uh we spend a lot of money um and by saying we i mean i have also participated mm-hmm. where we spend money and looking younger like plastic surgery i mean you know you name it different ways that uh media and also as society we value uh being young we value looking beautiful gorgeous with all that makeup right Mm. but we also teach young girls to be confident right so when i think about the characteristics of a villain when you know being intelligent and powerful uh being determined those are characteristics that I want my my children to have, regardless if they're uh, female or male. Like those are characteristics that we should all aim to have, not necessarily just being the villain of whatever movie it's gonna be. Right? Yeah. So I think the idea of having power, we use it sometimes in a negative way, right? Absolutely. Or being intelligent, yeah. it's being used in a in a negative way, right? <clears throat> Um, and I feel like those specific things is something that we as society really value, right? Mm. And so therefore we put it in specific movies. Uh, we see that through different scenes, like, oh, that person is very powerful. That person is very intelligent. Look at how determined they are to get the good guy, right? Look mm-hmm. how determined they are to manipulate, right? And so I also wanted to talk about how is it that this is specific characteristics when we work with victims of domestic violence and sexual assault. And one of the things that happens is the gaslighting that the perpetrator does to the victim, right? Yeah. Either in that relationship, when they're still in that relationship, or when they leave that relationship, mm. you know, uh, they create this image of the victim being the perpetrator or the being villain. the, the yeah. uh, villain of that is specific uh, relationship, right? So they say things of, well, she's crazy. That's why I reacted like this. Or, you know, she is not a good person. So again, these characteristics of being that villain has been amplified when yeah. we talk about those um, intimate relationships that we see working with survivors or even working with, with youth sometimes. Yeah, right? for we, sure. We, we hear those stories going to schools. Um, but I just wanted to point out that, you know, those things are not bad things. Like, those are things that we tell young kids. You have to be powerful. You're intelligent. You know, you, you mm-hmm. have to be determined. Yeah. But then we use that um, in a way to portray this villain in, in movies. Yeah. Right. And that ends up being confusing. You oh, know? yeah, it's, for sure. It's similar to, like, all these, there are so many rules, you know, so many rules about gender and, you know, your, your, you know, societal things that we're supposed to have to follow. But a lot of those messages are like contradictory and it makes things confusing when we're growing up in this world that is just um, giving so many mixed messages, you know, mm-hmm. about gender, about how you're allowed to express yourself um, as a man or a woman or a boy or a girl or whoever you are, you know, um, and it makes it really complicated when our when our kids 
shows and our movies are filled with these um, images of characters that are like blatantly written as evil, but they have these characteristics that I aspire to be, you know? Oh, yeah. And so I think that brings us back to um, little little children, especially little girls, who feel like they relate more to villains. And they feel, you know, they grow up and they really like villains. And they're like, you know, I don't know why, but Maleficent is way cooler than Princess Aurora. Yeah. Um, and I think that a lot of that has to do with the fact that little girls especially lack power yeah. in society. And, and, you know, we grow up feeling that. And it's not like a conscious thing. Like most of these things are, they're very uh, subconscious. And um, it's like, no one is telling little girls, you know, you are not powerful. You can't do anything. You know, some, some people are, but most people, <laughs> most of those messages are being reinforced through our media, through really subtle little things like this. Um, and so we definitely feel a lack of power as little, little children, yeah. little girls. And I think that we end up being drawn to characters that have power determination these things that we keep being told we're not allowed to have yeah and I I also notice you know little girls are drawn to like witchy type characters mm. and that's another thing that's been like coming into um like pop culture a lot more recently and I think it also it, it still has to do with you know wanting some form of power and witches as like a symbol are one of the very few um, women characters like in our storytelling um, you know the the witches are some of the few women characters that get their power from just themselves you yeah. know they don't derive it from a relationship you know a, a princess is powerful because she was born into the family um or because she marries a prince whatever mm. it is but witches have that power within them right oh, yeah and so i think that a lot of little girls feel that and they they want to be able to feel powerful um and be confident in, in themselves so they end up being drawn to those you know characters that we consider evil or villainous yeah and like um i i totally want to build on that where you know so many of the few movies and shows that pass the bechdel test oh yes hocus pocus is one of them and that is a movie about witches yeah. <laughs> and like um, if you have not seen that movie, please go watch it because it is a classic. Yes, and it's about that time, so. <laughs> yes, yes, please go enjoy it. Um, but the Sanderson sisters, they're not constantly talking about their relationship with men. They're not talking about, like, how they are going to um, get the love of their life back or whatever. I mean, they're literally manipulating Billy, who yes. is the ex-husband, to, yes. like, go do their dirty work, right? And they're just powerful. And I think another thing is they like they have more personality than a lot of the princesses or a lot of these um, good girls. Right. And I'm putting up air quotes for that because, you know, subjective. And on top of that, their personality. But like they don't give a, a bleep. I'm going <laughs> to say that. And I'm probably going to actually bleep it out. But like they don't care what anybody else thinks about. It. They're not trying to get the approval of yes. anybody else. And as young girls, 
we're constantly told to get the approval. Yeah. Right. Like there's this checklist that you yes. have to complete by a specific age. Right. And that also brings me back to like actresses. Like there's an expiration, quote unquote, of like specific movies that they can participate because of their age and their beauty. Right. Yeah. And going back to what you said, Nora, I think that. You know, when I talk about, like, villains, they're so unapologetic, right? Like, they don't care about pleasing other people. They're just like, I got this. And then when we talk about, like, the practice that they do, right? It's a practice that they continue to to do until they get the the right recipe, right? So, quote-unquote, like, they're going out. Like, they're comfortable. They're powerful. They're intelligent. They're making mistakes. I'm sure they made mistakes while trying to have the perfect recipe or whatever it may be, right? Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, like, the way that they're described, right? Right? They are described as not being very beautiful. They're old. They're just grumpy. They don't like anyone they have they're wearing all black they have this hat or the broom you know uh, a mold that they have a big nose so the way that they're described again is the complete opposite of what we see when princess right yeah and and for me like i don't want to put makeup on (laughs) i like i brushed my teeth this morning you're welcome guys (laughs) um i took a shower last night so those those things are are very important and please do so yeah um hygiene is good hygiene is absolutely but i think that the reason why that for me as a child growing up i found it that it was more interesting is because they were very unapologetic they were trying different things they went outside of the circle and they wanted to experience something new the other thing that you brought up miss nora was about you know adam and eve like so she Mm. ended up going outside of those rules right so here's the punishment that they both received right um because they both ate out of the fruit it wasn't just one person it was both of them that did it Mm. right so that was the consequences for both not following the rules and i feel like villains always get this um bad reputation of well they did something bad therefore here's the consequence now they're out to get the good guys right Mm -hmm. because they went out and expressed themselves or they were unapologetic about what they wanted and it goes back again to those characteristics that i brought earlier that they are powerful they're intelligent right they determine Mm -hmm. um and and again those are some of the characteristics that i want to continue to have throughout my adult life Um, and that's something that it's okay to talk about with with children and asking them hey this is good things that you can have within your life yeah like in one of disney movies um emperor's new groove you have yzma i was cronk last year i love this movie but you have yzma who is an older woman she is described as ugly beyond belief yes she is old and wrinkly but you know what she does she has like young men like like what are they called uh, servants servants is it is Kronk a servant i don't really know but he's like a he's eye candy like yeah. yeah that's what he is yeah and she's an older woman and so like she's the villain where it's totally normal for older men to date younger women yes yes but she's seen as a villain for doing that she's like uh i don't know uh it's described as she gets a new one every decade or so yeah yeah 
Um, that, um, man, I have so many things just rattling around in my brain that I want to say. <laughs> so there was something that I had read, um, just to speak to like this, like idea that women are not allowed to age in our society, you know, mm-hmm. especially actresses, famous people. But I read, um, an article about how Maggie Gyllenhaal, when she was, um, 37, she was auditioning to play the like romantic lead beside, uh, I don't remember who it was specifically. Um, but it was like a, a man, a famous actor, mm-hmm. and he was in his 40s, and she didn't get the part because they said she was too old. Whoa. She was like five years younger than the man who she would have been in the relationship with. They were looking for someone who's 20 years old to pair with a 45-year-old man as like, you know, their romantic relationship. That is the norm. Mm-hmm. There are so many instances of that kind of thing you know so we we villainize older women we say that they're not allowed to you know age and whenever they they do or you know if they do try to just you know age gracefully no plastic surgery whatever they still get you know a bunch of hatred from people because they you know they don't look good anymore like our value as women in this society is so dependent on our appearance on our physical appearance Mm. you know and I think that it is very much reflected in our media when we talk about good versus evil, you know, when we talk about like all, everything we've just said, all these princesses are natural beauties. They don't have makeup on their face. They wake up in the morning and their hair is perfect. Or, or the birds do it for them. Or the birds will do it, <laughs> which would be incredibly handy because um, <laughs> my arms get all tired when I do yeah, my hair. Yeah, I, I agree with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, the antithesis is the, you know, evil character who is old, ugly, and jealous, always insanely yes. jealous of the, the looks of the young, beautiful princess and, and petty and angry. Um, in addition to all of those qualities that are generally pretty desirable, like the power, the determination, the intelligence. Um, and I think that it's just very interesting I think it's very interesting to think about our gender roles, the gender Mm. roles that we grow up with. Um, And Anna, you mentioned um, how these villains are often unapologetic. They're, They're themselves. They do what they want and they don't care little girls are taught to apologize. Like this is one of the foundations of gender roles for, you know, feminine people in, Mm -hmm. in America. We are meant to be quiet and meek and we are meant to, um, you know, just kind of follow the rules. We're meant to do those things. And we are taught to apologize for everything, for Mm -hmm. everyone's feelings. And we're, we're taught to be the caretakers and love and all that kind of stuff. And so it really shows like how the villains, villainous women are usually written as the direct opposite of the gender roles that we grow up with, right? Mm -hmm. Because we value women's complacency. And so we we write women as evil if they are not complacent anymore. If they want more, they are written as bad people. Yeah. And like Nora, you mentioned before where like the 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 character of the villain is never really like flushed out well. Yeah. Like you just assume she's bitter because she's jealous and bitter. Like you don't really have a backstory. And like Maleficent, I thought that was such a great idea for Disney where they like flushed out her backstory. Angelina Jolie directed 
that whole story as non-stranger rape. Yes. When he, um, King Stefan or the like jerk face took her wings. Yeah. And he like cuts them off. Yeah. Right? He cuts, he drugs her and then cuts them off. Mm-hmm. And so, and dealing with that and she's a trauma victim And so instead of, like, assuming that these villains are villains because um, they're just bitter old women and then flushing out characters. Yes. Like, another scene where, like, another story where that really happened, I thought, was Black Panther with men. And Black Panther, there were really no villains. There were just stories from different sides. Yes. And everybody should have been able to see their side in that storyline and i think that's really well like um uh well done like if you could easily relate to any of them yeah instead of him just being a bad guy for being a bad guy right for sure yeah i think that i think that media has come a long way i definitely think that more of the examples of these um really one-dimensional characters are from like the older stuff yeah Um, for sure but like Think about, you know, the the generational impact of of all of those older Disney movies. Oh God, yeah. yeah, with these um the way you put it just now, like these bitter old women. Yeah. Like that's what the basis of so many women villains are. Oh, it's yeah. simply that they're old and ugly. And like like that's the worst thing you can be in our society <laughs> as a woman is old and ugly. But guess what? I, if I'm like an old woman, I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. Like let people live. I don't know. I really, I find it fascinating the way that our society and our media tells us that we should hate old people, ugly people, and yeah. women. Like that's crazy. Yeah. And only two Disney women that I know of villains have songs. Most of the villains uh, from Disney who are men get songs. Like you have the Shadow Man, you have Scar, you have Hades, you've got all these different guys who get songs. And, you know, uh, Mother Gothel gets a song and Ursula, everybody knows, poor unfortunate song. Yeah. Who's based off of a drag queen, as you told us. Yes, yeah. So, I mean... That's interesting that only two women get songs where the rest of them don't. I think it I think it really speaks to the the like one dimensional characters yeah. like the a lot of the the male men characters who are villains are allowed to have that like you know the song that explains their motivation the song that goes like more in depth um like Ursula is a really like fleshed out character I yeah. think that she has a lot going on I think Mother Mother Gothel also I mean, it's still it's pretty, all appearance based, yeah. but she they still gave her more of that personality and they actually showed her as like an abuser, which yeah. was very very interesting. Yeah. Um, but the fact that, you know, there are only a couple of songs that allow the women to to have a character, mm-hmm. but the men just sort of automatically get get that luxury, you know. Yeah, and you know, when we talk about princesses, like, you know, uh, and I just I have it in my mind. That's why I'm. I'm like my brain is going everywhere as well. <laughs> Everyone just like shout it out. Yeah. I know. Like for me, you know, I. It was really important for me to feel reflected on those stories, right? Mm. So when we talk about princess 
my hair is not long. I don't have a lot of hair. So my hair is not going to get, you know, from one bill into another, <laughs> right? The other thing was, like, they're always very petite, right? They're mm. small. They're young. And so, like, I never really felt represented in there, right? Yeah. Yeah. But when we talk about uh, villains, I felt represented not only with my skin, but also just my body image, right? Mm. And so I think that that's also really important because it also gives us an expectation of what a young princess is going to look like, right? Mm. A princess that needs to be rescued. A princess that is being kept asleep for so many years and now needs this uh, prince to come and rescue her by kissing, right? Mm -hmm. Like something so simple like that. And for me, like, I'm like, no, I I don't need anyone to come and rescue me. I don't don't need anybody to. And I think it's important that, yes, we're changing uh, those conversations, but it's also important to acknowledge the impact that it has made throughout generations, right? And, And what does that look like when it comes, I mean, Disney is known internationally, right? So you can think of different cultures, different uh, communities, different uh, countries. We watch Disney, right? So we, we get connected with them. And so for that reason, I feel like it's important to um, understand that, hey, the princesses are not always just going to be someone that has long hair. And I'm very happy that Disney is changing that, yeah. right? But I think that we can do a little more. I mean, yeah, not just agreed. a little. We can do a lot more, yes. that, right? Um, and also, I think it's important that we talk to your children when they're watching this, yep. right? Especially, mm-hmm. I mean, because of coronavirus right now, we're all watching a lot of TV. <laughs> um, but I think it's important to understand the impression that those villains leave behind, not only with men, but also with young children, mm-hmm. with families in general, right? Yeah. Let's let's bring them to the discussion. Let's talk about them. Um, and I think that it takes a lot of um, communication and it also takes a lot of reflection, right? Yeah. Like if you don't see yourself represented in this specific movie, then what can I do so I can be represented, right? Yeah. Exactly. And also understanding that one of the things that we do with young girls is we mold them where, you know, yes, they have to be complacent. They have to just follow the rules. And if you don't follow the rules, then you're not behaving as you should. Now mm. you're, you're a rebel. And now Bad you, girl. Yeah, you, you now become um, a villain within your family, right? Mm-hmm. The, the black sheep of the family, right? Mm-hmm. So we hear that, or at least I hear it quite a bit um, because I am the black sheep <laughs> of the family. Um, but I think it's important to acknowledge that as well, that this villain, physically represent more of women of color than the princesses do <gasps> yes snaps sorry yeah, yeah i'm giving you all the snaps on yeah I totally sorry agree. i'm getting inspired yeah. here you guys so yes yeah man oh so many things to say i think the fact that you are able to see that not just your like your your color but your body type I think the fact that you, even as, you know, as a young person, you are able to um, acknowledge that you're relating to the villains more because of the way they look, that kind of uh, illustrates the narrative, you know? The fact that we have been, as a society, writing villains to be brown people and to be, like, larger people um, and to be another really big thing with Disney is a lot of the villains are coded as gay. Oh, yeah. Gay characters. They're not explicitly, you know, I'm I'm gay. They don't come out or anything. Mm-hmm. But if you'll if you'll notice, and this is something you can look up to, it's, it's very, like, well documented at this point, but 
a lot of these villains, um, like the the man villains, are very like effeminate. They have mm-hmm. dark eyeliner. They move with their hips. They're very yeah. you know flashy. Um, we're talking about Ursula. Ursula was based on a drag queen, you know, and it's not necessarily um, intentionally homophobic, but that doesn't make it not. You yeah. know, it, it's it's the same with uh, racism. If we are not consciously writing all of our villains to be people of color, we're sending a message. Yeah. We're sending some sort of message. And and you were able to pick up on that, Anna. You you were able to relate more because you saw yourself more for multiple reasons in the right. villains. And I think it's important to acknowledge that this didn't happen when I was young. Like this happened as I started working in, in this movement of domestic violence and sexual assault. And I really started not necessarily question everything that I literally open my eyes and my ears to, but the influence that it makes on me, right? Mm. And so being young and being, um, you know, just very, um, just curious about the world, I, I just watch a lot, right? And so I think it's really important to acknowledge that those conversations are important because the fact of the impact that it makes on young women and also young young kids yeah. i mean young males like we have to understand that when we again one of the things that i talked about is how is it that survivors are seen as villains also even when they have that relationship or when they have left that relationship right so we go back again to the impact that disney has done uh on us regarding uh, those relationships or those characteristics that we see so i think it's really important for us to not necessarily question absolutely everything but just keep in mind that what is that doing to you how is that influencing the way that you see others how is that influencing the way that your children are seeing other people right so i think it's just important to acknowledge that yeah scar he was you know darker than Mufasa. Exactly. He was skinnier than Mufasa. He had his like a little eyeliner Liner. rings yeah. and he was he was pretty he was pretty fabulous and, yeah. and like he liked the flair, you know? Oh yeah. Be prepared. I listen to that song all the time. Yeah. That is like a like a pump you up. Yeah, kind it's of a song. it's a jam. It's yeah. a jam. <laughs> it's a bop yeah, for sure. For sure. Um but like you have these characters who else is another one i think that one who's very comfortable with his sexuality is uh the blue flames why can hades hades yeah hades is very comfortable he's very much the opposite of zeus right he's written to be the opposite of course because of greek greek mythology but if you look at him he's um wearing like almost blue lipstick um another one dark eyeliner eyeshadow things like that and like you're right. If you're not saying, like, we hate the LGBTQ plus community, they're not outwardly saying that, but these writers are making it okay for young kids to see gay people as villains right. unintentionally. Well, if somebody's like that, then they're like Hades. Right. And so that means they're a bad guy. Right. So I don't want to be known to be hanging out with a bad guy. I want to be the good guy. Yeah. Like, Especially when we are living in a world where we don't have that much positive representation of LGBTQ characters. You know, yeah. when, when our only representation is villains, then you start to associate those characteristics with bad people that's what that's what starts to happen and i think um anna you bring up such an important point about you know talking to to your children because this isn't just 
you know, we're talking a lot about like representation for, for little girls, little boys to see themselves on the screen, how important that is. But it's also really important for um, like what you were saying about princesses, not always, they're not always going to be the pretty little white girl with the long hair, yeah. you know, if that if you're searching for your princess, you know, we're sending messages to, to heterosexual, you know, boys that if you are searching for your princess, you should be looking for the pretty little mm. white girl mm. with the blonde hair. Um, and it, again, it, 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 forms these ideas and perceptions in our minds because our brains are always learning you know we they're constantly taking in information um and so even if you don't think that you are consciously being affected by media especially kids kids are 100 percent learning from the the movies that they watch and the tv shows that they watch that made me think of the really cool tv show that my niece is obsessed with uh descendants i don't know if you've heard of this but it's like really relatable for uh, little girls and little boys like um it's all of the kids of the villains um and they go to the school i think it's called arendelle or where uh, i think I'm pretty sure it is. And so they go to Arendelle um, on this, like, scholarship program because they all live in this island for the bad guys. They are, like, it's like Australia. Okay. (laughs) Like, OG Australia. (laughs) And so they're all on this little island for all the, like, unwanted people. And so they get a scholarship to go to this new school. And, like, Aurora's daughter is, like, awful. She's, like, a mean girl. Uh. Like, she's a total Regina George. And then, like... You have these other girls who have, like, that are not totally good, that don't totally follow the rules, that are become the heroes, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Except Uma was another woman of color, and she was a little girl of color, and she was really great. She has, like, the best song. My uh, niece, like, knows all the words, and she's wonderful at singing it. But, like... Um, Uma is another woman of color and that's Ursula's daughter and she's the villain, right? Right. And then in the third one, they become like best friends, I think. Okay. So at least they like, they're mending and brushing out and there's growth within these shows, but we need more of that. Yeah. That's on the small screen. Where is the big bucks going for like movies like this for the big screen? Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Um, and I, I think that there was there was another, my last little thought that's floating around in my brain, um, the way that we villainize women in real life, right? We've been talking about, you know, perpetrators villainizing um, their victims and, and gaslighting people and manipulating them to make them villains, right? And that happens, you know, with all sorts of victims. Whenever one of the most obvious um, examples I can think of is Chanel Miller, who was, um, you know, the Brock Turner case. She was she was the victim in that case. Um, And she's amazing. Go read her book. She's wonderful. Chanel Miller. Um, But she, whenever she went through that trial, sure, for over a year, she was going through this trial. And, you know, their um, Brock Turner's lawyers, they were they were dissecting her text messages that she sent to her boyfriend that night that said that she had a surprise for him when she got home. And they were like, oh, you were going to have sex with your boyfriend. Why didn't you want to have sex with Brock Turner? Like the way that all of our, um, as women, once we, you know, 
once something happens to us, our entire life history is then dissected Mm. and every decision you've ever made. And, you know, well, why were you at this party? Well, why were you drinking? Well, why were you wearing a low cut shirt if you didn't want anything to happen? Like Mm. those questions are actually asked to to victims all the time. And um, it's it's really common for that villainization to happen because of um, what people perceive as immoral. Oh, so yeah. if I was going out drinking, you know, oftentimes people say, well, you shouldn't have been drinking, you know, and that's because I've done something immoral. So now I deserve to be punished for it. And mm-hmm. I think that that's the narrative that um, in media are villains, you know, that's the narrative that they get, you know, well, they've done something bad. So now it's time to punish them. And then we bring that into the real life, into, into the real world where people are being sexually assaulted. And then we assume that they must have done something bad to deserve it. They must have been out drinking. They must have, you know, wanted some sort of sexual activity. Those things aren't crimes, but we're still, it's so common for us to punish women for being that way. You know, it's, it's, it's these, these morals, these standards that we, um, we've had as a society for so long, um, that really don't benefit anyone but the people who are already in power you know yeah, the rest of us the are, rules the rest of us are struggling <laughs> right and i think that you also bring a, a good point i mean the perpetrator is seen as the hero right yeah so in this specific case like he's seen like he's a very smart yep. athlete and that's right? how like, he was painted by yeah, the media like, and so we this is the reason why we wanted to talk about right yeah. because when we talk about making women as a villain, this is what happens in court systems. This is what we go back and then we talk about the characteristics of that individual, which at this point is the victim, right? So the victim not only has to endure the incident of sexual assault or domestic violence, now uh, they have to leave that relationship. Now uh, the perpetrator creates them as this villain um, in their family members with friends. Now this specific... um, characteristics goes on to the court and one of the things that happened i remember reading a lot of the comments of how people were not being supported of the victim yep. but yet they were supported of the perpetrator right mm-hmm. like we tell them well you know she shouldn't be out drinking just like you mentioned it right she disturbed it because she was out at night so what happens when we look at the narrative of the princess? Well, the princess is out in, in the house. She's behaving. She's cleaning mm. the house. She's just doing what women should be doing. It's staying at home, yep. making oh, sure that things are being cleaned up, making sure that things are being cooked. But you become the villain when you don't respect those specific checklist that we give to young women and so that's that that is where the problem comes that's where we are a that's the reason like i'm getting passionate about this guys um (laughs) i think it's it's so it's so important to acknowledge that fact because fine you know maybe we we work with survivors, but what happens when your daughter is the victim of, of sexual assault? What happens when you are the victim of sexual assault? What happens when you know someone that you love and you care about that that individual is now the victim, right? So you, you're going to see this narrative of what the villain looks like. And because of, of media, movies, and just different things, it has made an impression of us 
or in our lives and now we see it through those lenses yeah. mm-hmm. so the lenses that we focus on now it's focused on well you were the villain because you shouldn't be doing that yeah. well you did this he just you know he had to punish you because you you didn't follow the rules you just want his money oh and that's another one yeah, yeah you just want to have what get him <clears throat> bring a man down and that's that's you know the basis of of rape culture and it's like one of the the easiest things to point out as an example of rape culture right any um high profile sexual assault in the media the comments you will see 100 percent without a doubt will a majority of them are going to say well they're lying or what were they doing out why were they hanging out with those people why were they drinking um you've seen it a million times like look up the steubenville case look up any any case look up audrey and daisy look up any case where especially teen girls are the victims the blame is almost entirely put on those girls like regardless go read those comments if you don't believe rape culture is a thing go look up those comments and you will see um and it's such and it's such a good point to bring up because it is absolutely the case that that rape culture stems from our media and oh, yeah. our beliefs and these these um, these uh, standards that we've set for women for since the 30s, you know, yeah. so for, forever, forever. If you're not Mrs. Beaver, then what are you doing? Like Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, and I also like one of the things that you're going to hear (laughs) on for victims of domestic violence, the number one thing that you hear is, well, why didn't she leave? Why didn't she leave? There's a door. I would have left, you know, if, but we don't think about the terrorism that is happening inside their home, right? Like we don't think about everything that this perpetrator has established within that power and control. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I think it's really important to acknowledge the fact that our survivors and the victims of domestic violence and sexual assault are going to be the villains yep. according to the perpetrator's story. Oh, and yeah. Society, they, they're, for sure. they're going to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And like, and I think, you know, you bring up a really good point. If you're not home, then you're doing the wrong thing. You're yeah. not setting these. So like these women who embrace their sexuality, who are very comfortable and confident, like you said, Nora, with themselves, um, I think of other villains that have been written that way, like Poison Ivy and Catwoman and Mystique, all these comic book characters who use their sexuality to get what they want. And that's based off of like old uh, myths, folklore of like, like uh, people like, what was it? I can't think of them right now, but like mermaids. We've done, you, yeah. you were telling me about mermaids. Mermaids and, and like the succubi, right? Like yeah. these, these uh, ancient characters that are, you know, purely there to seduce and murder men like that's their that's their whole thing is um looking beautiful and then killing dudes and who wrote those who wrote those 100 men <laughs> because there's there's always been this idea that women are are evil you know that like beautiful sexy women are going to just tear a man down right like there's just we have such strict rules for okay well this woman is beautiful and she dresses you know where she likes to show herself off so she must be like this I know already how her personality is we make those decisions you know um, based on women's appearance how they present themselves Um, and it reflects in in you know the villains that we're writing yeah 
Um, with Poison Ivy, um, if you guys have ever seen that wonderful movie, Batman and Robin, I think oh. it won like five Academy Awards. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the kidding. one with George Clooney? Oh yes. With the nipple bat suit? Yeah, the nipple <laughs> bat suit. Um, That's a good one. Uh, Poison Ivy, played by Uma Thurman, uh, kisses men to get what she wants. But, like, seduce is constantly seducing men. Like, that is all she does. Yeah. But, like, you know what? She has found that that's her power, right? And then, but she just really wants to make the planet a better place. She's yes. like, men suck, and I just want plants to live. I love poison ivy. <laughs> <laughs> but, I'm allergic to poison ivy. <laughs> so. But... Um, in this new show that Nora introduced me to, um, Harley Quinn. Yeah. The new animated one. Yeah. It is, uh, it really dives into the characters of Harley and Poison Ivy and gives them that depth that we've been lacking, you know, from, yeah. from these, these characters that are written by men and you know going just a little bit back to from you know mermaids to the succubi to medusa to you know to current like comic book culture a majority 90 percent of this media is written by men for men and that's who they're thinking of when they're writing these things. And so if you like, just think about all of these women villains who are purely just, they only care about looks. They are only existing to seduce men. Think about what the men who wrote those characters must think of us. Like they think that women are all out to get them. They think that a, a sexy, beautiful woman will only exist to, to hurt you instead of, the fact that we are multifaceted we have thoughts and feelings and even if a woman is walking down the street in a bathing suit you have no idea who she is as a person you can't assume that you do just because you are perceiving something that she is doing as immoral Mm. being sexy and enjoying sex is not inherently immoral but mm. we've been taught that it is so much, and that's what we relate to these villains so often. All the the femme fatale characters, oh, right? Oh yes. yeah, the Glenn Close. Exactly, all these characters that we're like, oh my goodness, she's a she's a bad, you know, scary, powerful woman. It's because she's powerful and intelligent, and you know, confident and immoral. But like, but they're always written as like she seduced, like the you know the the fatal attraction she seduced him oh, and yeah. then was very clingy and wouldn't let him go and like he still slept with her like he you know like he made that choice and then who i kind of felt bad for was the wife who had to like go and deal with um all of the stuff that this man caused his family right and you know and it's like oh i'm the victim i'm the victim but like you know he made that choice and not to say that like anybody deserves somebody coming after them like trying to kill them yeah that's a whole thing but that's not going to happen most likely if anything most crimes are uh statistically against women and I mean, that's 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 the thing. Like, there's nothing wrong with, like, writing characters that are women or anything like that, villains that are women, but write them to reflect our society and to, to um, actually, um, 
like instead of these these narratives that are like oh the the men are the victims of these evil crazy women all that does is perpetuate this myth that women are crazy you yeah. know and you know we've all heard it before and um instead of doing that write some some multifaceted characters that are women that are villains that aren't just there for the for looks that aren't just there um because they're jealous you know give them some real motivation yeah like ursula she just wants to rule the seven seas yes. like that's great motivation <laughs> absolutely like, like i mentioned it before she's just the the um what is it called Project manager. She's the yeah. project yeah, she's manager. The project manager. <laughs> she still it. scares the crap out of me, though. Well, I, <laughs> I, I just have a really bad experience. Well, and with I her, think so like when scary. women really feel empowered about their sexuality, you know, one of the things that men do is they weaponize that, right? Yes. Like you, you have the power to acknowledge your sexuality. But nevertheless, you can have it. But now let me weaponize it where I'm going to use it against you to make you look like a villain, yeah. right? So I think it's important to acknowledge the fact that that is something that they do as they write these characters, right? Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that we do as adults is we we learn about our bodies. We learn what we like and what we don't like, right? And so we are able to be determined on, hey, that's not something that I enjoy, right? And so I think within that, I think that it's important to acknowledge the fact that it's okay. Like you, you're okay with... Um, feeling comfortable with your body and, and your sexuality and mm-hmm. no one should judge that um, so I think that when we talk about villains they just use it to weaponize it and just to say nope again going back to those gender roles that, yeah. that's we, yeah. that we discuss about that checklist right yep. yeah. no like sex is something that you should not enjoy yeah. sex is something that you should not have part of it but when you do you are a bad person yeah. now you become the villain yeah and that is such a harmful narrative that's that's stuck around in our society for a very, very long time, that women cannot enjoy sex. And if they do, that automatically means they're immoral. Like an adult of any gender, any identification should be allowed to be an adult and enjoy the things that they enjoy regardless. And like, it's just so weird because sex is a thing that happens in nature. Like yeah it's a 100 percent normal body function for adults to do but we demonize it so hard and especially for women like we know that adult women have sex and enjoy it like realistically in our brains we can understand that then why are we so mad whenever they talk about it or whenever they make music about it or whenever they are they you know say that they like it like it turns into they then become the villain once again because they are now immoral yeah. according to our societal checklist that is garbage and needs to be thrown in the trash oh yes <laughs> and then burned and burned <laughs> yeah I, that i wanted to talk about you know you mentioned about uh when um villains then are males um then there's like a sense or maybe i'm the only one that gets this right but there's a sense of being vulnerable right when you are a villain like not you don't get the specific reason why they became a villain right why is it that now they have to protect themselves from everyone else or they hate everyone right Mm -hmm. but being vulnerable is seen something that is punished within our society Mm -hmm. right or being able to show those feelings right so we see uh villains cry i feel like i see villains cried in, in movies more than the good 
hero, right? Or mm-hmm. uh, the good person. Like, I just feel like I don't see that enough. And so I think it's important to acknowledge that we all have emotions, right? We yeah. have to acknowledge that those emotions may be good or may be bad, but there's still emotions that we have to acknowledge. It's also important, especially with kids, like, right? So they see this movie... It's wonderful. It's great. There's so many emotions. Uh, they feel very empowered now. They're singing this song a hundred <laughs> times. Believe me, I hear it too. I don't have children, but I can sympathize with your feeling. You're of that. welcome. <laughs> but I think that it's important to acknowledge that the villains are able to, according to me, again, um, I feel like I can identify with those feelings of being angry, being upset. By no means I'm saying that it's right for them to kill people, to go out. and No, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying that those emotions are really raw emotions that they feel. And those are emotions that I feel like it's important to explore. Because when we are not able to really call on those emotions that we feel when we're alone those can really destroy us, right? And then when we talk about uh, gender roles, we always talk about women have to be the follower. You know, women are just there to serve. And men, again, the characteristics, you're powerful, you're the breadwinner, you don't have any feelings, so you just go to work, come back home, and then once you come home, uh, your princess is going to have this buffet of food for you, um, you know, and, and now you, you're being taken care of because you already rescued you this princess right right? now this is your reward right so and and it keeps happening right and then the reward as well like now you teach that to your children so i think it's important to to talk about those vulnerabilities vulnerabilities yes yes yeah (laughs) i i agree i think that is a really really good point like whenever we're talking about villains being allowed to you know express their their anger and those feelings like we police emotions based on gender in our society you know women are not generally allowed to be angry and if we are we're crazy you know and you know we're we're both expected to cry all the time and also called hysterical if we do that so you know those double standards but you know boys are not they're only allowed to be angry they're not allowed to be sad or have you know those feelings and it's just so crazy to me how we know that humans feel all those emotions we know exactly just the same as like with with sexuality with human sexuality we know that it exists so why are we setting everyone up for failure why are we making it so that little boys are ashamed to feel feelings why are we making it so that little girls are ashamed to say what they want yeah like i think that's why you could tell that frozen 2 was written and directed by a woman Uh, and so was the first one but like so you have like it was very it could have been very easily um for them to make elsa the villain right that was like a that could be easy to happen but they made hans in frozen one the villain who was this like perfect dude right? right he was prince charming but not and in the second one you have uh christoph who has this really emotional 80s power ballad. And he's like lost in the woods and all he wants is on a bag. And like, he's like, I don't know how to support her right now, but also be her guy. And like, I just want to be your guy and support her and love her and just like 
figuring that out and like going through that and he's like trying to figure out how to propose but she doesn't show up and he's going through that emotion and how cool is that for like little boys to see yes. that like 80s power ballad of like Kristoff who's just like a cool character like yeah. he's like one of my favorite Disney dude characters Aww. I think they wrote him really well and like that's awesome and also the fact that in Frozen 2 there were no villains. Uh, Frozen 2, um, they had really, it was just a misunderstanding. And the villains were Anna and Elsa's grandfather because they had taken from uh, another culture's land. Oh. And like it was told in favor of Anna and Elsa's grandfather. And, like, he was the good guy, and they, they like, all betrayed him, and, you know, this other culture came after him. People of color came after him and betrayed him when they tried to force a peace when it was actually the old white dude that wow. was the problem. And so the, choosing these stories and having these women creators is really showing through because, like, that was just, like, a fabulous movie for not just women and girls to watch but for dudes to see a healthy expression yeah. of healthy masculinity yeah like that's so cool and consent that's the first time i've seen consent in a disney movie where Kristoff picks up anna and like goes to kiss her and he's like wait can i kiss you is that okay oh like how cool is that for like young kids to see to be like body autonomy like yeah. like so when we're writing these villains we are creating this idea that yes people of color are the villains characteristics people who in the lgbtq plus are villains like if you don't think that like um you know that's true then why are we constantly troping those people in our daily lives yep like absolutely yeah like we all think that they act the same and they look the same and you know everybody thinks everybody from my old like the lgbtq community um is flair or like evil and stuff like that and we're not we're not villains we're just people man. we're just people we're just people but brock turner gets to look like a hero mm -hmm. exactly exactly i think that honestly the biggest takeaway for me from this episode is the the absolute mirror that is held up to our society when it comes to villainizing women the fact that the fact that that is exactly what happens in abusive relationships in sexual violent you know situations the women the victims are painted as the villains in the with the same characteristics and for the same reasoning that it happens in our media um and so you know we need to really take a look into that and and the fact that you brought up frozen 2 and it was so well written and um it really gave a lot of depth to the characters, the women, the men, and let them feel things. That is such a good example of good writing. Yeah. And like actually, you know, caring about the impact that your media is going to have on others. Um, I think Moana was another really great example. <gasps> yes. Loved Moana. You know, she, I thought that she was very, she was powerful she was curious she was brave and she wasn't punished for it um you know she defied her father and and did the thing anyway and she saved 
she saved everyone. She yeah. was great. And they didn't force a relationship. Uh, there was no, you know, romance between her and Maui. Thank God, because he's like <laughs> an ancient man. <laughs> but like, we, we're so used to having, you know, those romance plot lines shoved down our throats and the boring, one-sided, um, one-dimensional villains that whenever we get this new media that actually explores these these characters and these feelings, um, it is really impactful. It, it impacts kids, just like yeah. representation impacts kids. And like, it's so easy for us to say, well, you know, it's not that big a deal. It doesn't actually matter that much. But like, truly it does it really does the first time that i read that i watched um a a comic book movie with uh the blue beetle Mm. he is a a mexican american superhero character the first time i was introduced to him i like cried because i felt represented i i felt i felt so much connection to that character because you know he was mexican-american he's been through similar things that i've been through and i related to that and it made me love it even more and like it even if it if it doesn't matter to you that probably means that you have been represented this whole time in a way that you know you are okay with um but the rest of us don't have that luxury so i think that it's man it's time that we start hearing more stories from more people more perspectives because this 90 percent white male perspective that we have right now in our media is getting real old getting old i'm bored there's a reason why they say there's no new ideas in hollywood well it's because the people who have all the new ideas are being shut out of the storytelling yep so they don't have as many opportunities or resources or chances they're not given people of color lgbtq we are not given as many chances as other people in our society that's that's you know that's just real and the more that we can open our arms and welcome these new stories and embrace them and enjoy them and give money to those creators that's what we need that's what we need to be doing supporting those creators yeah yeah and i think my takeaway is that the villain is as strong as you make it right Mm. so if you have those specific characteristics of being intelligent powerful immoral wounded and determined like that gives you power as being that villain, right? But what happens when you take that power away, right? And so I think it's important for us as a society and as listeners to really think about what those villains really project in our everyday life and how is it that we think about them when we turn off the TV. Like that keeps, like for me um, specifically, you know, when I saw representation of a brown woman in in Hollywood, you know, I, I I was very happy. I was like, yes, finally, people are getting it. I'm a little bit shorter than that person, but no, no problem, right? You're a little but baby. I think, yeah, but but I think that it's that it's important. I, I think that for uh, as a woman of color, I think it's important for us to be represented. And I think that when we talk about being a villain, it's not always bad. Like it's not always bad. And I yeah. think that is important for us to acknowledge that. And I just, that would be my takeaway for this podcast that we yeah. have. Thank you so much for having me. I have yeah. so much fun yeah. with you guys. The hero is only as good as the villain makes him. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think... Or her, sorry. Them. Them. <laughs> just keeping our minds open when it comes to 
the real stories that we start hearing whenever we start hearing the villainization of victims it's it's gonna happen in our news in our in our media we're going Mm -hmm. to hear it you know the villainization of real people so just keep in mind that there are more sides to every story there is there are different perspectives than just the one that we are um being fed yeah absolutely all right thank y'all so much for joining us and we'll talk to you next week yes thank you bye thank you bye